Staying in Contact. I'm London Mitchell. Seems we cannot attend any event where someone does not bring up the topic of what a divided country we are, politically, religiously, socially. At lunch the other day with my friend Anthony Knops, we bandied about the idea that the media may be a major contributor to our divisiveness. Anthony is a media consultant and professor of communication and political science at Adrian College. So, when reading or listening or watching, how do we determine truth from fiction? How do we know what we are taking in is accurate? Well, I think it just comes down to the basic, uh, basic communication process. Um, what we deal with as, um, as citizens of this planet, uh, we're not honest, A, with our with each other and B, we're not honest with ourselves. The average person blatantly lies to someone else. And th these are not my, my numbers. These are uh, statistics that are, that are out there. Um, you know, roughly two times a day, we lie to somebody else. Uh, we lied to ourselves uh, far more than that. Uh, you know, sometimes in, in, in double figures. And, and when you look at that from the, um, from the foundational sense, uh, what do you believe? How, how do you, how do you get there? Um, the best, uh, the best advice that I give to, uh, uh, give to clients is don't get stuck in your own bubble. When you, uh, only listen to this particular outlet or that particular outlet or read this particular paper, you're only getting uh, a specific point of view. And that's just it's been this way since, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, wrote notes on stones and on, on cave walls, you know, there's always been uh, misinformation out there. The challenge is for us as consumers of this to be more aware that it's out there and to take pieces of, of content and then evaluate it ourselves. Um, one exercise that I do with um, do with clients and also do with students is I, I tell them to pick one one random story that's out there. Uh, it could be you know uh, the latest uh, um, challenge in Venezuela, for example. And I, I say, okay, pick me uh, a story from from CNN, a story from ABC, a story from Fox, a story from MSNBC a story from uh, the National Review. Read me the first paragraph of each of those stories. Are they the same? Well, no, they're not. Well, why not? Well, it's because each of these outlets are coming to this from a uh, particular point of view. And uh, some of that is, uh, is by design. Some of that is based on on algorithms and research and, and all those uh, things that, well, the computer told us to do this or the consultant told us to do this. And that's not entirely, um, you know, fair to the audience. So the audience has a responsibility as much as the outlet that's putting that information out there. This 24-hour news cycle requires you to be updating and always be trying to get the scoop on the other guys. 
So you really don't have the time while you're hunting for a new lead to a story or new information. You don't have the time to really spend on a story to get into the into the weeds, to use the common vernacular, to really understand the ramifications of a story. Right. And, and that's particularly true. And, and what's what's easier to to generate in terms of content is it easier to generate facts or is it easier to generate opinions? And we all know the answer to that. It's much easier to generate opinions because then you can just share whatever you want, whenever you want. And uh, that's that's a, a issue that's, that's popped up in recent years uh, where the audience is not entirely uh, and the outlet is not entirely being honest with the audience about where facts stop and where opinions begin. And as, as a result, uh, the audience becomes uh, conditioned to, well, I, I saw this on the, uh, on the evening um, cable outlet, therefore it must be true. Well, a lot of times that's just opinion. And that, that is the problem that we're, that we're, that we're dealing with. Um, and it's not just, it's not just here either. I mean, in the last uh, decade or so, 78 countries have passed laws designed to limit the spread of false or misleading information. And a lot of that is um, uh, uh, an effort to improve transparency and accountability on the content creator side but more importantly, and, and I think this is where we can make a difference. Uh, most some of these laws have also focused on increasing media and digital literacy among the citizenry. And, and we, we tend to forget that just because we don't agree with something that doesn't make it fake news. You know, there are, you know, if one plus one is two, and we decide that one plus one is two, we just can't make it three because we feel like it. And, and I think we're getting to a point where my truth is stronger than your truth. And that's a very dangerous uh, path to, to put us on. And you know, like I said, it's not just here in the United States, it's, it's, around, it's around the world as well. When I was in journalism school, we were taught sit on the fence all the time. But that's not getting necessarily msnbc or fox news the ratings they want they need to pretty much cut out their piece of the pie so to speak to uh to get those ratings yeah i i think i think that's part of it i mean the old adage uh if the facts are on your side argue the facts if uh the facts are not on your side argue emotion uh in, in some cases that's true, but there's the, you know, I, I get back to the, the point uh, that uh, the audience needs to discern the difference between opinion-based content and fact-based content. And when outlets uh, commingle the two, um, some of it by design, some of it by, you know, by chance, but, you know, uh, that's where the problem lies. Uh, you know, when you deal with, uh, you deal with content and it's hard to define what prohibited content is, what fake content is and, and, and laws designed to uh, 
to fix this problem are, are sometimes they make it worse. I mean, uh, you know, we talk about um, uh, cases designed to limit the spread or, or false or misleading information. Uh, they're just, they're just too vague. Um, they leave, they leave it up to the discretion of lawmakers, which uh, depending on who's in power, you know, can, can, can make a, make a huge problem. Um, and this really gets down to a larger, uh, a larger case. And that is an issue of national security. What do you do? Um, if you are a practicing journalist and you want to be, uh, you want to tell the truth, but there are, there are laws prohibiting the, um, uh, coverage and the publication of, of certain content because the government doesn't want it published, you know, where does that stop? Um, that's, that's a big problem. Um, and in authoritarian states, it can pose a real threat uh, for independent media. Um, so you have to have, you know, you know, and this comes down to anything, but you know, what does it mean? You have to have a holistic approach. It ha- you have to not just, educate the audience. You have to ex- educate the content creator. And I use content creator deliberately because not everybody pushing out content today is a quote unquote journalist. Um, there, there are people that, that have a, a cell phone that push out content. There are influencers, you know, uh, you know, for lack or, you know, for lack of a, of a better word, you know, and what, what do they want? And then you also have lawmakers and you have the challenge with, with creating laws to, to regulate these things is uh, it's, it's, it, it can be even worse. Um, you know, um, you know, the laws on the books, can you be used to arrest citizens and journalists for publishing or sharing what the state determines is false information. And that's, uh, that's a slippery slope. And, you know, last year, uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists, which is uh, you know, a, sort of a, a watchdog agency for this, uh, said that almost 400 reporters were imprisoned around the world in 2022. Uh, and a lot of these people are being uh, imprisoned based on laws that are designed to limit the freedom of expression Uh and and particularly when you have uh, those in power uh, saying that you know uh, the freedom of the press is is an antiquated idea, and it's not just in the United States; it's around the world. You know, the consequences of that are are, are huge, and and that's why uh, we have to start with one thing. And the first thing we need to start with is is media literacy, uh, being aware of what's going on. Because um, in most of these cases, if you if you looked at surveys ranking, uh, you know, believability and trust and, you know, whatever, you know, journalists, quote, quote, are, are just above dog catcher, you know, so they're in the bottom, the bottom tier of, of these things. And, and that uh, more than anything else is the is the larger trend that we need to be uh, need to be aware of.
How did that happen, Anthony? How did it happen that at one time we believed in Walter Cronkite? He was considered the most trusted man in America. How is that the, a journalist, uh, the profession of being a journalist, has fallen so low? Well, if you remember during that those times, there were basically three outlets where people got their their evening news. ABC, CBS, NBC, and uh, then they got their their morning paper. Um, and something you spoke to earlier the the challenge of getting uh, getting the information um, out there. The problem is when you have uh, a twenty four hour or a nonstop news cycle, you don't have time to. Uh, to craft to get the extra extra piece, you're in essence reporting live all the time. And when you report live all the time, uh, you have a responsibility to, uh, and, and also the content creators have or the the people that you are interviewing have a responsibility to provide you with accurate information. And that is not always the case. Um, and it may not be their fault. It may just be they don't have a full and complete accounting of what's going on in real time. And the way the modern audience is, uh, and, and we deal with this with our, with our communication students. And I also deal with this with my clients is when you are in an environment where the audience is demanding in, in a lot of cases, information before it even exists, how can you be accurate with you know, the first draft of history is often wrong. And, and you have to, it, sometimes you do have to take a step back. And, and I ask my students, is it better to be first and wrong or second and right? And, and that's usually, uh, you know, a 50-50 split because they realize, because that's how they consume information, that if you're not first, you're irrelevant. And the audience assumes that everything is wrong. So, so what do you do? And, and the challenge that we have today, both on both sides of the coin, from the content creators to the content recipients, is to ask for increased accountability from both. The audience needs to settle down and, and wait for stories to be fully developed. But the, that that's the challenge when everything our attention span shifts every seven seconds uh that's hard and, and the content creators have a responsibility to go wait we don't know all of the information yet when we have it we'll bring it to you and we don't have that we have been chatting with media consultant and professor of communication and political science anthony Knops. Some heavy and candid discussion about us and the media and how we need to challenge ourselves to do the best we can to ensure the information we receive is accurate. I want to thank Anthony for his insight. I'm London Mitchell inviting you to join us again next week as we continue staying in contact.